You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Who has a habit that they want to break? You're all perfect. Oh, a couple of us? That's good. <laughs> See, habits aren't always bad, are they? Sometimes habits are really good things. Exercise, eating healthfully, everything that Dr. Peter Rogers told us men at the men's breakfast yesterday, all those things are good things to do, aren't they? Maybe investing in and growing spiritually through regular involvement in a local church community, setting aside time to continue dating your spouse. Who's still dating their spouse? <laughs> a few of us. That's good. I like, I like it. You never stop dating your spouse, do you? They're all fantastic habits to develop. And while, while we generally know what's good for us and often perhaps even, even want to change and embrace new ways of living in the freedom that Jesus invites us to live in, why do we so often find it so difficult to change the things that we want to change? Why is it so hard to change? Why are we so good at going back to the same old patterns, the same old behaviours that, if we're a person of faith, we know are not good, are not God-honouring and ultimately are actually destructive to our relationship with God and our witness to other people? Why do we keep doing the things that rob us and keep us from connecting meaningfully and intimately with God? Things that potentially lead to the destruction of or even just tension in the relationships that matter the most to us. Why do we, why do we find the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 7 to, be, to ring so true for us? This is what he says lamenting this experience for I do not understand my own actions verse 15 for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing that I hate now if I do what I do not want I agree with the law that it is good so now it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells within me for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out for I do not do the good I want But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Has anyone ever prayed along with that prayer before? I certainly have many, many times. Well, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to explore why making lasting change is so hard, and we're going to draw out some lessons from God's Word to guide us in breaking bad habits and developing healthier ones, ones that honour God, ones that are good for us, and ones that are good for the people we love. So let's pray as we open our hearts to consider maybe... For some of us, even as I'm talking about change, there's some things in your life and you've you've just closed the door on that as a possibility. You kind of look at that and go, man, that's not going to change. Nothing can change that. Let me encourage you this morning. Change is possible with God's help. So let's pray. Father God, we invite you to come, Holy Spirit, come 
and dwell richly around us, in us. Help us, Lord, to not have any barriers up, Lord, but would you be even breaking them down right now? Those, those walls that we might have put up to protect ourselves from situations or things that we just think are beyond help, Lord, would you just gently shift away those walls so that your word can penetrate, so that hope from above can come in and actually do something in our hearts, helping us to see, Lord, that with you nothing is too hard. And with you, even the most of difficult circumstances, almost that feel like they're set in a million kilograms of concrete, can still shift, can still move. There can still be good to come out of them. So God, today, would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts? Would you speak clearly to us and guide us in this process of change for your glory, Lord, for our good and for the good of others too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you a video that we got shown when I was studying social work and human services at uni, and this was for a counselling subject. So check this one out. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, 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 no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. <laughs> uh, so what not to say when counselling or supporting people to make meaningful change in their lives, hey? Now, obviously, that's, that's a skit that's been crafted to make people laugh, but that is exactly what not to do. You know, 
It's funny, we look at that and we laugh of it, at it, but how often is this the type of advice that we receive, or perhaps, this might hurt, we've actually reflected and realised that we've given other people who are trying to make meaningful change in their lives. You know, perhaps if you've been on the receiving end of help, helpful advice like this, how helpful have you found that to make meaningful change in your life? Has it helped you to make changes, to, to grow more in God's likeness? Probably not, I'd say. Stop it. Stop it. Just doesn't work. You know, think about it. Think about this, for example. Statistically speaking, many of us here today struggle with pornography. That's just statistics across the board. Doesn't matter whether it's in church or out of church, the struggle is real for many, many people. And if that's your struggle, you, you know it's not good. You know it doesn't please God. You know it's destructive to you as a woman or as a man. You know how it distorts your understanding of sexuality, your experience of sexuality. You know that it, it actually demeans other human beings, actors in the films created in the image of God. You know if you're married that it's actually incredibly destructive to your marriage. And so you confide in a friend looking to get some support to change, to break the destructive habit for good this time. They hear you out. They, then they effectively give you the helpful advice. Just, just stop it, man. Just stop it. Don't do it. You know it's bad? It's not going to go well for you. And then all of a sudden, they move from stop it to, if you're familiar with um, the book of Job, if you're familiar with the book of Job, they then morph into one Job's friends and start reminding you of all the biblical passages that you know very well and perhaps even cause you to feel a whole lot of shame when reflecting on your struggle because you know them so well. Don't you know, they say to you, the Lord says if we even look lustfully at a person and then they wrap up and say it's simple, just don't do it, stop it, man up. Woman up, just stop looking at porn. And you try. You try hard. And you tell yourself, I'm never going to look at any of that again. But before too long, you find yourself back in a familiar place, stuck once again in a cycle of seeking pleasure, of seeking comfort, and experiencing, I guess, a, a bit of a distorted experience of intimacy through viewing pornography. Here's another example. Perhaps you've been told by your GP that you need to lose some weight for your overall health. You need to lose some kilos and you need to exercise more. They don't tell you to stop it. I'm sure that's not one of Peter's strategies. That would certainly keep your, um, your appointments really short, wouldn't they, Peter? Um, but they don't tell you to stop it, but they may as well have because you leave the medical clinic feeling ill-equipped to know how to go about changing. Your battle with overeating hasn't just been a, a one-year thing, it's been a lifelong struggle. And the strategies that doctors have offered you, you've tried many, many, many times over the years and just for whatever reason, they haven't stuck. You hear the GP, you agree with the GP, and then you leave telling yourself, oh, this time it's going to be different. This time I'm really going to change. And you try, and you try. And you try, and you do well. 
for a while. But after a few weeks, you find yourself slipping back into old familiar patterns, eating more than you should, perhaps even looking to food to bring you pleasure and comfort and maybe not exercising much at all. Friends, just stop just doesn't work. Just stop doesn't work. There's more at play when it comes to destroying bad habits and implementing and developing new positive ones. Far more at play. Scripture gives us wisdom and insight. But before we get there, I want to share some wisdom from a different angle. Here's a really important thing for us to remember. As humans, we are, we've been created to be creatures of habit. Yeah? Would anyone agree with that? We are, and we are creatures of habit. And the more we do something, the more ingrained and in many ways automated that behaviour becomes. Why is that? Well, ultimately, it's that way because this is how we've been designed by our Creator God. This is how God's designed our brains to actually work. Who's ever heard of the, the thing called neural pathways? Anyone familiar with neural pathways? Now, I'm no neuroscientist or surgeon, but in very simple terms, when we perform any behaviour, any given behaviour, connections are made between different neurons in our brains and the more frequently we perform a certain behaviour, the stronger that pathway from the one neuron to the other becomes. Yeah? Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Who remembers the time, the first time they ever sat in the right-hand side of a manual car ready to drive it? Who remembers that? Absolutely. We won't be able to say that in 20 years, will we? People will only say, back in my day, there were these cars called manuals while all our kids are driving around in self-driving cars and autos. Anyway, I remember my first attempt at driving a manual car really well. You, this, you might relate. You're sitting there, you're looking at all the, all the, the steering wheel, the, the, the shifter, the, the three pedals, and you're just feeling overwhelmed. Your hands are a bit clammy as you're gripping the wheel and you're, you're, you're trying to work out in your mind, okay, I know the theory of this, so I've got to put the accelerator down while lifting up that other pedal and then somehow it's all going to work. Oh, and while I'm doing that, I've got to make sure that I've got the right gear over here as well. And, oh, that's right, I've also got to hold on to the wheel because I need to, go, to guide where I'm going. Who remembers that? And how overwhelmed you felt when you were trying to work it all out and watch out for hazards and not give your mum or dad who were driving with you a heart attack, all that sort of thing. It was, it was super difficult at first, wasn't it? Now, think back. What was it like after you'd driven for a month? Probably not a lot of improvement. <laughs> no, hopefully. But a month and then three months and then a year and then 10 years. Think about that. You could likely, even after a year, pretty well jump in a manual car and drive that thing relatively safely without even thinking. Yeah? Your hands and feet moved without the need to really think about, oh, what, what do I need to do here? And that's because you developed, over time, a habit. You've actually, what was going on in here was 
that you were training your brain. You were developing a strong neural pathway for that behaviour of actually driving a car. And eventually you found what was really difficult to do at first incredibly easy, something you could do without even thinking. Does that make sense? Now, stay with me because this is important. When it comes to habits, good and bad, this is what is constantly happening within our noggins. Constantly. All the time. We are creating or trying to break neural pathways. And this, friends, this is why change is often as difficult as it is. The bad habits we are trying to break are so difficult to break because we've developed such a regular, well-worn neural pathway in our brains that it's almost like an automatic response to something that we do even without thinking, just like driving a manual car over many, many years. And then couple that strong neural pathway with, with the feel-good hit we get often when performing certain behaviours, the dopamine hit, you know, good and not so good ones, this can make changing the behaviours we want to change very, very difficult indeed. Well, sounds like the odds are stacked against us, doesn't it? How can we possibly have hope? Well, here we go. Change is possible. Change is possible with God. That saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that's, that's a lie. Don't believe that for a second. Don't believe that. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Often it's a lot harder to teach an old dog new tricks, but it is possible. And with God, all things are possible. Even for those of us most stuck in our ways, for those of us who just feel completely overwhelmed and feel like we'll never change and we're never actually going to break a habit, whatever addictive, destructive behavior we might be struggling with, hear this today, change is possible. Change is possible. Dr. Susan Reich, she's a GP in the US with a, a real interest in this area. She says this about ending bad habits and developing new ones. She writes, just because we have created rigid neural pathways and behaviours over many years does not leave us trapped to repeat those behaviours forever. We can create new pathways by participating in new activities and developing new behaviour. It is important to practice repetition of the new activity to help the pathway become stronger with the greater number of times the brain cells fire to conduct the new activity. The wiring together of brain cells makes the new behaviour feel routine and easier over time. Hear this, and don't get sad when you hear this. It requires about 10,000 repetitions, translating to a minimum of three months of practice to develop a new neural pathway and master a new pattern of behaviour. All right, so change is possible according to the medical field. We can create new neural pathways, new behaviours over time. And here's the good news, friends. Not only is change possible according to science, change is possible according to scripture as well. So how can we change? How can we join with God in becoming new, becoming fully human, as N.T. Wright would call it, alive and open and free 
walking in relationship with God? What are some steps we can take to break destructive habits and develop new, healthy, God-honoring ones? I've got four points to encourage us in changing today, and here's the first. If you want to change, you need to be honest with yourself. If you, need, if you want to change, you need to be honest with yourself. Be real with yourself. Conduct a, an honest, heartfelt evaluation of where you're actually at in your life. The, um, the writer of Lamentations pens these encouraging words in Lamentations 3.40. says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. I like that. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. That's wisdom there. How do, how do we do that though? What, what do we practically do? How do we test and examine our ways? Well, I, I think it's by asking ourselves some questions. Asking ourselves some questions. But as we ask questions, not just relying on our own wisdom, but inviting Holy Spirit to bring revelation to where we're actually at. Because who knows, sometimes we don't know our hearts as well as we think we might. Yeah? Sometimes if we're married, our spouse might know our hearts better than we do. But Holy Spirit knows us better than anyone. Maybe some questions like this. Where am I particularly weak? What is it that I'm tempted by? What habit, Lord, do you want me to work on breaking? How long has this problem been a problem for me? What's the fruit of this behaviour? And then how does this behaviour affect me and affect the people I love? Just some simple kind of life stock take questions, looking at any habits that might be in our hearts robbing us of fullness of life with Christ. And I think doing this is particularly helpful because, one, it actually gives a name to something we're struggling with. Who knows when you've been in a season of struggle, sometimes you don't always know exactly what it is, but it, life just feels really hard. And then, all of a sudden, if we take the time to actually do a bit of evaluation, invite Holy Spirit, Lord, what is it in my life right now that, that you're not pleased with? Or what are you wanting me to work on? How can I grow? How can I be more like Jesus? And then all of a sudden, he gives revelation. Then we've got a name to something. And when we've got a name for something, we can deal with something. And then the second thing is that, and this is a powerful thing, it brings something that, if we're not even aware of it, we'll definitely be in the dark. But perhaps it's even something that we've chosen to kind of keep a little bit hidden in the dark. It forces something to come out of the place of darkness and into the light, where all of a sudden, not only does it not have the same power over us that it once did when it was hidden, but all of a sudden it's in the light where God can really work on that and help us to grow and change. Okay, so that's the first. And here's the second. If you want to change, you need to own your own issue or issues. Who, who's ever gone, resorted to a blame game before? Oh, you make me do that. It's not me who needs to change. You know, after doing that honest analysis, we've got to really resist the urge to blame someone else for whatever it is we're dealing with. You know, um, a husband or wife who, who says this, like, this is not going to go well for you, but, you know, oh, it's because my husband or wife just isn't into sex that much anymore. That's why I look at porn. 
Don't go that way. Don't make excuses. Just own it. Own your own issue. Acknowledge your behaviour for what it is and then call it for what it is. Own it. If that's you, you say, I'm choosing to look at pornography. No one makes me look at it. I choose to. I want to look at it. I'm seeking comfort, satisfaction, intimacy, sexual release, whatever, fill in the blank, through viewing porn. It's not my wife or husband's fault. I'm fully responsible. This is on me. I'm lacking self-control. I'm at fault. I'm choosing to indulge in my sinful nature every time I look at porn. You know, if we, friends, if we want to change, we'll never change if it's everyone else's fault but our own, yeah? Own it. Don't blame your spouse. And then the follow-up from that is don't blame God either. Don't say, oh, God. Sound like Alan Meyer. (laughs) Oh, God. If only you gave me a spouse with a stronger sex drive, then this just wouldn't even be a problem for me. I mean, come on. Hear the wisdom of Proverbs 19.3. It says this, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at God. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Don't ruin your life. Don't ruin your life. Own whatever the issue or issues are. Own them. Own them. Okay. You still with me? It's very quiet. Okay, so if you want to change, we, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to own our issue or issues. And we need to be honest with and seek help from God. David, uh, the man described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart, he, he shows us the way in this. Shortly after committing adultery with Bathsheba, and all the tragic events that followed, he, he put pen to paper or what would it be? Something to parchment. And, um, and he penned Psalm 51. Have a read of it yourself this week. I'll just read the first few to give us a bit of an idea of, of the kind of posture that we'd be wise to have when approaching God to seeking to change. David writes in Psalm 51, 1 to 4, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions or blot out my sins. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, he's owned them, and my sin, not someone else made me do it, my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned, And done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Isn't that a beautiful, humble, heartfelt cry right there? It's raw, it's honest. David's there and he's just broke he's a broken man. He's he's owning his issues, he's owning his sin. And he's not only owning it and then kind of maybe what some of us can be tempted to do when we've, when we've acknowledged it, when we've done an honest stock take, when we've actually owned it, and we can go down like a spiral into despair and sorrow. But no, he knows where to go. He looks up and he's at his lowest, but he looks up to God and he cr- cries out to God for help. And friends, this is a key step 
when it comes to changing and breaking habits. Not only do we need to be honest with ourselves, not only do we need to own our own issue or issues, but we need to be honest with and then seek help from God. After all, maybe this has been true for you. Experience tells us that try as we might, try as we might, we can't will ourselves to victory in our own wisdom or strength. Anyone found that to be true? I have. God's the only one who has the power to truly break the power of sin. Any bad habit, anything that has a hold over our lives, anything that Satan is using to rob us of the kind of abundant life that Jesus says he's won for us and invites us to walk in him, with him in, only God has the power to break the power of sin and any bad habit in our lives. Here's the thing. Sometimes we're battling with something in our lives, any kind of negative pattern, bad habit, complex addiction, and we struggle to really believe this. But I want to say to you, and I want to encourage you today, believe this even if in your heart of hearts you struggle to believe it because it hasn't come true for you quite yet. Believe this. Hear this today because it's true. God is quick to forgive and cleanse and empower those who turn and repent to him. God is quick to forgive and cleanse and empower those who repent, turn from their ways, and turn afresh to him. You know, friends, we see that in anyone who turns from living life for themselves and chooses to place their faith in Jesus Christ and then walk with him in life, don't we? We see that. It's a radical thing. People are going one way. They encounter God by the power of his spirit, perhaps by our own witness to the, the, what Jesus has done in our own lives. And all of a sudden, they're doing a 180. They were going this way, and now they're turned around and they're turning back to the Lord or even for the Lord for the first time. God forgives people who do that completely. And then he welcomes them into his own spiritual family as adopted daughters, as adopted sons. And I just want to say, if you're with us today or you're online and you're seeking spiritual truth, this can be your reality. This can be your reality if you turn to God and place your faith in Jesus Christ today. And this is also true when, when any of us get stuck or off track in life. When we get caught up, like the Apostle Paul described in that passage we read earlier, in doing the very things that we don't actually want to do. God doesn't turn his back on us. Hear this today. I believe some people need to hear this today. God doesn't turn his back on you. He just doesn't. It's not in his character. It's not in his divine DNA, if there is such a thing. We'll find out one day. It's just not what he does. It might feel like he does. It might feel like he does because of the shame or the brokenness or the regret that we experience and kind of grips us and causes us to go into our shell and think, man, life is just so hard. It will never get better. It might feel like he does, but he doesn't. God remains close. He remains faithful. Scripture says that even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. That's the reality. He is ready and waiting to help every single one of us. He's ready and waiting to help you. 
Do you want to change? Do you want to change? Do you want to experience breakthrough, lasting breakthrough? I encourage you, turn to God. Be honest with him, just like David, and ask him for help. Ask him for help. He will restore you and help you, not through your own power, but through the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead that dwells within believers, the very Holy Spirit, to win the victory in the next steps of change. All right, let's recap. So if we want to change, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to own our issue or issues. We need to be honest with and seek help from God. And we need to prepare for battle. We need to prepare to win. Let me say it straight. I'm, I'm a bit straighter today because I've been watching too much Alan Meyer at Valiant Man. Isn't that right, guys? Let me say it straight. If you don't draw up and commit yourself to a battle plan ahead of time, you just won't be in a position to stand in the heat of the battle. You just won't. Let me say that again. If you don't draw up and commit yourself to a battle plan ahead of time, you won't be in a position to stand against temptation in the heat of the battle. What's your battle plan? What is your battle plan? How are you planning? What things are you putting in place in your own life so you can succeed and win your battle and develop new positive habits? Here's just an example I plucked out. Say you got an issue with alcohol, for example. You might decide, I'm just going to get alcohol out of my house. Along with that, you know, you might choose to go the long way home. Take the long way home. You might choose to take the long route home from work so that you don't have to drive past the 10 bottleos, so you don't have to drive past the four pubs in town. You might choose to go on a big detour in order to avoid temptation. You might even regularly make it, a, make it a prayer. You know, as we're talking about a habit takes, what was it, 63 days, I think the, the guy in Valiant Man said, the um, clinical psychologist, 63 days, roughly three months to break and make a new habit. You, you might choose to regularly sit with God over that time, reminding yourself of your why, why it is that you're pursuing change. You might pray something like this, God, I want to be free of this addiction. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better woman for my wife, for my husband, children, friends, church community. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and no other spirit. I want to be a faithful witness to my friends for Jesus' sake. You might also ask people you trust to keep you accountable, to, to ask you how you're actually doing, to challenge you, to pray with and support you. And that, in all of those aspects, that's a battle plan that is actually likely to work if you genuinely want it to. You know, even things like this can help. When the desire for an alcoholic beverage comes into mind, gee, I could really do with a drink, what are you going to, ahead of time, choose to replace that thought with? What's the off-ramp you're going to continually take? So after three or more months... You've developed a new strong neural pathway that leads to a new healthier habit. Maybe it could be as simple as 
I'm going to choose to drink a glass of water and use that to prompt you to pray, to thank Jesus that while alcohol will never truly satisfy your thirst, the living water that Jesus gives will satisfy your thirst now and forevermore. Maybe something as simple as that. Perhaps you could, in that moment of temptation, choose to think about your why and pray to God, thanking him for his love and for his help that he's given you to break this destructive habit. And then perhaps there's some scripture passages that you could memorize and personalize that will help you in the heat of battle. Here's one that I often recall, uh, and it's this one from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I've personalized it. It says, no temptation has overtaken me that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let me be tempted beyond my ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that I may be able to endure it. Maybe God's word, memorizing something like that, can be added to a battle plan to break any bad habit and embrace new ones. Friends, I don't know what it is that you're struggling with. You know, perhaps you're here listening or you're sitting at home on the couch and you're feeling even more terrible now than you were when you came through the doors or switched on the live stream. As I've been sharing, you've, you've felt convicted and you felt these, these feelings of, of shame or regret rise up once again and it's, and it's really not a nice place to be. Perhaps you've been confronted for the first time that, that God, maybe you've never even thought about there being a creator of the heavens and the earth. Maybe you've never sort of thought about how could such a complex world with all its intricacies and structures and seeming design just be come about by chance and you're thinking, oh, maybe there is a, a, a God. Maybe there's a creator of all of this. Maybe you've been confronted with the realisation that God's not pleased with a particular destructive habit or path that you regularly take or turn to instead of him in your life. Can I encourage you, if that's you, don't resist God in this moment, but turn to him. Don't resist God in this moment, but turn to him. Often when we feel yucky inside, as we're reflecting on God and on his truth, on his word that is true, what that actually is, is the Holy Spirit bringing conviction for our good. It's the Holy Spirit bringing revelation to our brains here that maybe some of our neural pathways need a little tweak. Maybe the Spirit needs to come and do something new in us. He's bringing conviction for our good because here's the thing. We might see something in our lives as a destructive habit that we want to go. He wants to see that go even more than you do. He wants to see you free, friends. He wants to see you alive, fully alive, free of any sin that would so easily entangle and keep you from fullness of life with him. He wants to see you open your heart and respond to him this morning. So if you're a follower of Jesus, can I just encourage you? We're just going to have a time of just prayer. We're just going to have a time to pray. All of us, every single one of us here, we all have different things in our lives that we would like to see change. 
Yeah? All of us. I've, I've got plenty. Don't you worry about that. There's plenty of things in my life that I need to humble myself and come before God with. And so I just want to open it up that if you want to receive some prayer for genuine breakthrough today or even continued breakthrough, maybe you've, you've started a new thing or you're on track, but you just want to make sure that you don't turn back to those old habits and stick with the new. Maybe you're looking for help. Maybe you're looking for wisdom to deal with something. Receive prayer this morning and embrace the freedom that he longs for you to walk in. And if you're here today and and you don't yet know Jesus, if you're seeking spiritual truth perhaps, I encourage you, open your heart and respond to God's invitation today. John 3, 16 to 17 says this. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And listen to this, really listen to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, everyone needs that. If you're seeking spiritual truth today, that is actually your ticket to freedom. You know, in our world, we think all other sorts of things, paving my own path, seeking pleasure in all these different things, maybe prestige or power, that's where I'll truly be free. No, 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 no. God says freedom is found. Freedom can be experienced, but it only comes when we actually lose our life and give ourselves, surrender ourselves over to God. We need saving, friends, and we can be saved through Jesus Christ because God's desire is that you'd be saved firstly through faith in his son and then that you'd be able to walk freely in freedom with his son, in relationship with his son. So if that's you today, will you turn to and place your faith in Jesus today? We're going to just have a time of prayer and waiting on the Lord together right now. So.